Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everybody, and hi, Daddy Dearest. We're here. Hi. Yes, and I'm so glad you're here. Just telling my dad about the rain and my dog, my big dog, who's 60 pounds, hiding in my closet. She's a chicken. Well, she's really a dog who's a chicken. <laughs> it's all good. But I know you've got something really wonderful to share with us today, and, and so tell us what we're going to talk about. I want to talk about the Bible. Uh, I'll begin right away because I, you know, I might might take longer than should. You know, I don't know whether you realize that or not, but there's uh, six six books in the Protestant Bible. I say Protestant because the Catholic has about five more books. But anyway, we have six six books and uh, thirty nine in the Old Testament. When New Testament has 27, why does it why does it break it up like that? 39 books that tells about uh, God, His creation, His man, His Noah, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all the way through this life, it tells about how God has formed and created and chosen the people, Jewish people. And then how the Jewish people revolted against him and how you bring him back and get revolt again and bring him back again. And on and on and on. It takes 39 books to tell it all. Tell what God wants you to know. And 27 books to show Jesus Christ on earth. The great Savior, our Savior. Uh, He died for our sins. And 27 books it tells about Jesus, specifically Jesus. And 39 books in the Old Testament is about a 400-year 400 400-year 400 break between the Old and the New. Well, it's not a here and there, but that's the time that there were revolts and forming of the Roman Empire and then et cetera, et cetera. And then they, uh, on the First book, Matthew, tells about the birth of Christ. Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, tells about the birth of Christ. But today I'm going to, I'm, I'm in the Old Testament more than I'm in the New. Why? Because, well, there's 39 books in the Old and 27 in the New, so you should, you should split it like that. you got to know. And, uh, but the Bible means a lot to me. I mean, I try to understand the the Word of God and the men he's witnessing to, the men that he chose to name in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And I wonder how I stack up because I love God with all my heart. Not every sheet, he does. We interact every day or try to. And we try to understand God Understand God what he wants. But God wants us to realize that his word means everything to us. So often, we go through our daily lives and we don't think about God. Well, how does that do it? If, if, if we are in his will, and we are chosen by him, we are predestined by him, according to Ephesians. But now, I didn't, I didn't say that you can automatically go to heaven. But, well, I'm not going to bother that because that's another 
that's another series of thoughts. But we take the 39 books of the Old Testament. We discuss it left and right. And finally, he's chosen the king in the Old Testament. God didn't want a king. He wants his people to honor him as king. But the, his people wanted a king. So God relented through Samuel. He gave him a king. And then the trouble started again because they're in and out of God's will constantly. But I'm going to zero in on one guy that uh, I picture this guy greatly because he's a, he's a man that's after God's own heart. Here he was in the capital of Zusa under King Artaxerxes. His name is Nehemiah. Have you ever heard of Nehemiah? Nehemiah was a prophet. But he was honored by the king. He was greatly honored. In fact, he served wine to the king and queen. Said tribute to serve wine. So Nehemiah walked into the king's presence with his wine. And he had a look on his face and the king says, What in the world's wrong with you, Nehemiah? You... Your wife make you soup in the outcast last night? I've never seen such expression in your face. Nehemiah didn't say anything. He had to help up the, to the king and the queen. He had goblets of wine. And then the king was, had a frown on his face. He said, what in the world is wrong with Nehemiah? You're normally a happy-go-like guy. You make me feel good, but now you're making me feel sad. So Nehemiah said, well, I don't mean to make you sit. No, my wife didn't make me sit in the doghouse. I was reading something last night, and then I witnessed to, I mean, a couple of guys came to me. said, do you realize that where I'm from, the Jews, of course, he said, Jerusalem is in a state of disrepair. King said, well, what do you want me to do about it? He said, the lights go back, and I'll fix it up for you. Well, you want to go back to Jerusalem and leave me? Uh, the, from where he was to Jerusalem, it was about like if you could picture Knoxville, Tennessee, and Dallas, Texas. You don't get there overnight. It takes you months to get to that place because you got through trials and fights, and et cetera. So the Nehemiah said, well, I'd love to go back if you let me go back, spend some time there, and repair the walls and try to help my people get get them their feet again because there's a remnant there that's in total disrespair and disrespect. So the queen said, well, I think it's a good idea. I said, you're, let him go. King said, all right, you got it, man, go ahead. So Nehemiah got his act together and he was happy as a lark. He was going back to Jerusalem to make Jerusalem a home for the discombobulated to the people that were living in that area and the Sarah. Now you got to realize that Nehemiah was facing obstacles. For instance, there are a lot of people between he and Jerusalem that did not believe in God. They were heathens. The Jews were heathens also in the sense that they turned against God constantly. But he's he he got his act together, 
And then the king did him a great favor. The king gave him a cavalry to go with him, an army. You believe that? So Nehemiah got on his Arabian horse. He has to be an Arabian. But anyway, on his Arabian horse with all his followers and the king's cavalry, he headed out to Jerusalem to find out, to help them build the walls and the center. Because they were living in total disrespect. They not re- didn't respect the king. They didn't respect anybody. They were defeated nation. They had no question about leadership. So Nehemiah goes back. He doesn't tell them anything. He had to fasted and mourned and got the king's permission. Now he's going back to Jerusalem to repair the city or to repair the walls. And uh, remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses, saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among nations. Where were they? They were scattered among nations. There was Nehemiah going back to the Jerusalem to fix it. After he got to he after he had to Jerusalem with his army and with his following and so much an army, he didn't tell anybody who was there. He took his horse in the twentieth year of Anasarchus' reign. He came and got into Jerusalem, and the place was a mess. I mean, the walls were torn down, the gates were burned, people were. Desolate. You talk about bad look and bad bad attitude. They had everything going against them. And Nehemiah said, and didn't give him, a, didn't tell him a thing. He said, I won't look and see how bad this is really is. So he, took, he went through the gates, not to the gates because they're all torn down. With his mound, he went around the sea, and for three days he scoured the sea, and he realized just how bad it was. They went to the whatever can find the leader. He prayed to God of heaven and said, Oh, answer my prayer. Help me build this city. And the, he started out and he took the, he took the uh, city, six people, and he started to rebuild. He got permission from the whatever leaders he could find. Now you got to realize this city. In the in the New Testament, in the Old Testament, the city was a, a tremendous walls around it, and inside the walls were not really walls, but houses to live in. People lived in the wall, and that's how powerful and big they were. They were not little walls like, well, like your buddy Donald Trump trying to is trying to build it down in Texas. I see them see a wall going up in there. But these are great rock walls that were built with houses inside the wall itself, with foundations and et cetera. And that's where people lived, along with the houses inside the city. So he started to build. And uh, on the... uh, if I can't figure that in the scriptures. Inside the city, he found the leaders and he started to build. He built one tower, one fish gate, and 
Every gate was named by something. The fish gate was built by the sons of Hanasiah. And Moriah built the son of Hanasiah, and the son of Hezekiah repaired the next section. And on and on until the genocide gate. And as it began to build, and they began to build, the valley gate, every gate was named. Every everything in there was named a gate or a proper name. The Dun Gate was built. Fountain Gate was built. People around began to notice. What in the world is going on there? Is this guy trying to rebuild his rhythm? Is it turning against the king? Of course, he had enemies that had come to him. And so you're building something that was not authorized. Oh, yeah, I've been authorized by the king. And queen, and they give her permission to build. And we don't believe it. We're going to write him a letter. So they took it out to them and said, write a letter. Found out he was given. And the next of repairs were made next to him. was made by the priests that surrounded the reason. Beyond them, Benjamin has got made the repairs in front of their house and next to them. Messiah, the son of Hananiah, made repairs inside his house and next to him. And no, 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 he took leaders that would work with him. They had men. They brought them together, and they repaired it, and et cetera. Now, the, Nehemiah had been given wood to build. Uh, the uh, king had told him that you had take logs and everything from this area and bring them in and build a wall and houses and gates, bolts, iron, etc. And that's what he did. And a miraculous thing happened. In Nehemiah 4, when Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, I see this is the enemy, Sanballat. He's there, he's a native of the land, and he's against the Jews, which is everybody against the Jews, right? In, in some sense of the word. My daughter, that's Tiga on the line with me now. She thinks the Jews are something, but uh, in the New Testament, there's no difference between Jew and Gentile. They're all the same because my God sent his son, his only son, to live, to die, and together hit the sins of the world and defeat the devil and death and down the cross so that there was nothing but Christ and his followers. And if the Jew believed in Christ and believed the Messiah was here, if the Gentiles, Gentiles, that's you and me, that are not Jews, believed in Christ and took their, 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 his sins were removed from us with Christ, we became one. The Jews and the Gentiles were one. And that's what the New Testament is all about. But here we are in Jerusalem, the Nehemiah. And Sanballat is a guy that's in charge of everything, of the of, of the area. And he was angry. He great in sins. He really, really killed the Jews. I know you got permission to do what you're doing, but you're, you're doing this strictly to turn against the king. They try and try it. His first lieutenant was named Tobiah. He's an Amorite. 
or Ammonite. And he said, what's your building? Even a flock could jump over it. He said, you realize that these are stones that you're trying to gather together and build? They gave it ridicule and ridiculed him. People were discombobulated. But Nehemiah kept at it, and God blessed him. Okay, everybody, I'm bringing my dad on. We had a little bit of a glitch here, so glitch, whatever you call it, and uh, he'll be here in just a second. I'm so sorry. Okay, hold on. Putting you back on now. I'm so sorry. I apologize. To people that are listening now or listen later, here we go. So you were telling us, and and we had a disconnect. So anyway, I think it was my fault, but that's another story. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. Please, I apologize. Well, anyway, they uh, went, they went on about it. And next thing you know, in about uh, three months' time, the walls were rebuilt, and wow. they were harm coming to them no more. But the Sanballat and Tobiah was still the enemy, and they did everything they could to keep him. Nehemiah had to head back to uh, head back to his, uh, to his king queen because that's where it was. They were in captivity, and they were scattered all over the world, all over the known world at the time. And there was Nehemiah headed back and left Jerusalem with completed task. He had formed leaders and uh, given chores to do, and et cetera. But they came back. He came back to the to to uh, the king and queen, and he led. He told them what he had done. He set the doors in place, and gatekeepers and musicians. They were they loved music, you know, and uh, revived the Levites, which were. Uh, Levites, which were uh, the, the preachers of that day. And Nehemiah was gathered together, and there he sat in the, in the, with the king and queen again. And after a while, he wanted to go back, so he asked the king and queen permission to go back and see what work was, see the work was done, what they were doing. Then he was the king and queen allowed him to do so. He was really favorable to the king and queen. Nehemiah came back, and Ezra was a priest. And the book of Ezra said they could get read for anybody that would read the Bible. And then the Ezra came back, and he had uh, not Ezra, but Nehemiah came back and got with Ezra, and, and uh, everything was fine. He thought, but you know what? The children of Israel, the Jews, are always putting God to the test. One day they'd say, oh, I love you, dear God. i just stay here at the most wonderful thing in the world. And at the same time, have their hands in somebody's pocket trying to steal from them. And that's what the Jews were about. Why did God choose the Jews? Why, why, why did the Jews, his favorite, his chosen people? I don't know. I, people can ask why the Jews are chosen people. 
But I'll tell you something about the youth. They're always, always industrious, self-sufficient people. I know a lot of people don't know this, but I'll tell you this. You know, I live here in Several, Tennessee. When I came back, I came back because I wanted to do something which God has led me to do. I'm here witnessing the Jews. There's a family of Jews that owns a large segment here in Seville, Tennessee. I bought a lot of houses in it. They said, you can come up and live with us for a while. Through various means, I decided I would do that. So I have come back up here. And I'm living with the Jews. And you talk about ungodly. To human beings, they're really ungodly. They're they they're nice to me, super nice. I cannot ask for nicer people. I have a nice home. I mean, live in a nice home. It's their house. One of the, one of the many. They live in the area, and they are super nice to me. The only thing that costs me up here is to what I eat. I pay for nothing, and I read the Bible. And I teach them, or try to teach them. And they are violently. They're going to get drunk, come back in. They don't care. They talk about sex like it was toothpicks, like food. They could care less. But they are very industrious. I mean, they're worth millions. If money means anything, they're worth millions of dollars. I, I discovered them uh, 20-some years ago. And they were at a time of their financial crisis, and I helped them. Uh, I bought a couple of buildings from them and rented a couple of buildings, etc. I was friends with them. They had never forgot us, never forgot me. So therefore, they asked me to come up and live with them for a while. Teach me. They said, teach us a lesson. Teach what, what you need to know. And as I began to teach the Bible to them, they were getting the New Testament. I don't believe in I, I believe in the Old Testament. You tell me that's all the New Testament, and that's how they are. For instance, last night, last night. Well, I'm not going into it, but it's the same thing day in, day in, day out, day in, day out. And they try me. I say, God, please deliver me from. Let me go somewhere else. And I hope He does. But as of right now, I'm here to stay. Until God lets me move out, but I love these people. I love every one of them. They're, I mean, they, even my daughter, because I speak of them reverently. She says, "I, my, I have like a being, etc." And it goes on and on like this. But they, 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 they're tremendous people. They're going to hell. Ooh, did I say that? No, the Bible said it. I didn't say it. Please understand that they're going to hell if they don't believe in Christ. And they don't believe in Christ. In fact, I have somebody here that they believe there's a God. Well, they believe in themselves. What they want. They're narcissistic. They believe that the Big Bang happened, etc. We go into that day out, day in and day out. And I have, I have lessons for them. And they listen respectfully. 
dealing with a few customers and a few underhanded schemes. They ridicule me, yes, but they do it respectfully. How the hell, how do you disagree and and rebuke somebody respectfully? But they do. Because I tell you, they love me. I call them what they are. I said, you mean I'm going to hell, Gene? Yeah, you're going to hell if you don't believe in Christ. You can't tell me I'm going to hell. I didn't tell you that. The Bible tells you this. Look at it. So we go through that scripture and say, we don't believe in it. In the Old Testament. So it's a day-in, day-out thing that they don't believe in God. They don't believe in Christ. They don't believe, I tell you what they do believe. They believe in making money, living high on it, And not take anything from anybody. They don't try to teach somebody. They just make money. Because that's who they are. And from that, people all over the world look at the Jews, some with contempt, some respect, some out of love, and they carry on. But one day, one day, when it's going to be, I don't know, there's going to be a time on this earth when they will surrender themselves to God. Some will be too late. Some will be on time. There comes a time when you have to face, and you, you, listeners, you have to face this. Whether you're Jew or a Gentile. You know what a Gentile is, but that's a non-Jewish person. You'll face a test that would determine whether you will go to heaven or it go to, uh, he calls it, uh, double two, double two yeah. pick. Yeah. Gosh. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, you have to face it. You'll face it. Maybe today, remember that you are, God wants you in his army. God wants you to be at his side. Does God need you? No. Does he love you? More than anything, how many would give their only son on earth to die for you? Place all the sins of the world and death and everything upon his shoulders. That's God. And let him go to the cross. That's God. And let him look up to heaven with all the stripes and bruises and tears and cetera. And he said, my God. My God, why have you forsaken me? Because God has turned his back on his... God has turned his back on his only son. He lets him die. And three days later, sometime during those three days, he resurrects him. And the sins of the world are forgiven. The lesson to be learned is trust God. Trust in Jesus. Don't believe in yourself. And become his warrior, his worker. Most of us don't realize that we're supposed to work. Most of us don't realize that we work for God. But God wants you to work for him. He wants you to be a soul winner. He wants you to be an active person. We are his men, women, that minister for him. Would you today accept Christ and believe in Christ? And let Christ work with you. And you are for Christ. 
Erica going on and on and on about Christ and about salvation and the sinner. But I'll leave it there and we'll pick it up again next week. Hey, go ahead. So thank you guys for listening in and um, and today and and some of you guys will listen to the podcast and I appreciate I appreciate what you said, Dad. So um, my question my question to you is I, I know right. I, so Nehemiah, I think I didn't know that much about that dude. And uh, uh, so all the people were scattered. All the Jews, they were just scattered, right? You know, to, all all over the you know, all over the world. The known right. world. The known world. So he he got them to come together, right? Like he got them to come in and be one, correct? No, no. Nehemiah's purpose in life was to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Okay. Now they 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 were in the land, and the uh, Chaldeans had uh, defeated them, and they were in the land. Some of them were brought into slavery. Some are, but they were scattered all over the world. Okay. But there were remnants of them living there around Jerusalem. Okay. Being and they were in the, the they were living right. in the walls, right? Like the wall of their houses uh, were. Their houses. Yeah, were living in. So I want to get this. See if I get this right. So they were living in the wall, like uh, the Smith House or the Jones yes. House, right? Okay. That's it. All right. In and the, their their the wall was there, so they rebuilt the wall with all the the tribes or the neighbors, right? You know, like a cul-de-sac would be kind of like, right? Yep. In, yep. Okay. Go ahead. They had the verbs going on in the, <laughs> the suburban Jerusalem. That's funny. Um, so they had all those things. In, <laughs> and, and, yeah, and then, okay, I get it. Um, so he he wanted to bring build the wall back. Okay. Why was it important? I don't understand that. Why was that so important to him? Because Jerusalem was important to him. Because he did Jeru- Jewish. Jer- Jerusalem was his chosen city. Okay. It was the greatest city in the world at that one time. When Solomon was the king, Okay. They, it was a great city. It was known for all the world. And it was defeated by the Chaldeans. Okay. okay. It was destroyed. Okay. So it's kind of like the Roman Empire. The same thing happened with the Roman Empire, correct? It's like that kind of destruction, right? Yes, yes. Okay, okay. So, okay, so I understand that then. And uh, so you, you're you're saying some really fancy names, okay? So, uh, there, um, with I guess they're biblical in the Bible, but why did those dudes want to hurt him? The you know the guys, those two. Those well, it's Sambalus. Yeah, why? Yeah. Was it that one name or two names or two guys? One day, one two guy guys. or two guys? Okay, two guys. Okay. There were two leaders. Why did they okay. want to hurt him? Yeah. Because they because said, we know you're from the king and queen. I don't understand that part. They, they, were, they were lieutenants oh. under the king and queen, and they were there in the land, and they had okay. control of the land. And here was Nehemiah building the city, Bring the Jews together, and the Sembalat said, "You're trying to destroy what the king had built, what the king had done. You're not doing this." They they did all kind of things to harm him, and each time, and the king, you know, it's not like they pick up the phone to call the king. <laughs> we're we're fifteen hundred miles apart, yeah. so to get to the king, they had to ride horses. 
the wall. Right. Okay. I get that. Okay, here's the next question. So you said it took three months to build that this build Jerusalem up, right? Yep. Three months. So guys gotta ask you, Dad, they had to do it with no machines, I don't think. Um they, they, had, to do, they had to build rebuild that city up with no machines in three months. Right? They they didn't they had to build the wall with it labor. Now how they did it, you know, there's various various ways to move, to move stones and to build. They had ironwork and they had wood. Uh-huh. And Nehemiah Nehemiah had furnished them the wood and the, the stones because the king had authorized him to getting from getting from people in that area, and they were given these. Okay, I get Nehemiah it. Nehemiah was a great, great, uh, what am I called, call him? An architect, well, contractor, something like that? He's an architect. Okay, I got it. All right. So, so I'm going to say this, and I don't, I'm listening to the three months. I was like, wow, I am waiting for stuff to be down here, built, you know, like some of the roads down here because, you know, the city builds them. We should really, that is a good example of doing away with permits, getting a permit. It would take you six months a year to get a permit to get something done here. <laughs> okay. Right? Yeah. But when God's in control, anything can happen. Absolutely. There's so many mysteries in the Bible, and I think that's a big one. I was just saying, okay, because that's just so practical. And he got it done in three months with no electricity, right? And nothing <laughs> like that. There's wow. no saying electricity. Okay, cool. That's a mystery. They say about God's mysteries, prophetic, that, you know, prophetic, that was a prophecy, right? Getting that wall okay. done, wasn't yep. it? Or, or was yes. it? Okay. That's what yeah, it was. Okay, so it was a prophecy that was going to be done. Then lo and behold, Nehemiah says, oh, I got this dream or I got this vision or whatever he said. I'm going to go chat with the king and the queen, right? <laughs> okay. All right. Wow. See, actually, that's cool. Dad, I, I tell you, I appreciate what you said today, but I'm going to tell you what I heard. One of the things that I heard, the three months, I was like, are you kidding? How did you get something done in three months with no electricity? Nothing. <laughs> right? When God's in control, things can happen. And that was told before that event happened, right? It wasn't just yeah. boom. Okay. Remember that God created this earth in how many days? Six seven days. Seven days. Six days rested on the seventh. That's exactly right. Okay? Do you understand? I mean, you got to Well, when man. God's in you and rewarding you, you're following God. The Holy Ghost is in you. It's yeah. easy to it's easy to understand. I don't understand it. Well, as that has blown me away because you know I've got a, a few clients that are you know I've got one that's a contractor. I've got a lot of different types of clients, but I was sitting there listening to one today. She they were arguing about uh, the contractor and her and and the architect. Believe it or not. They were arguing about a building that needed to be built, and that building has taken uh, a building or work on the building has taken a good solid year, Dad. And, yep. and they have electricity. They have machines. Uh, they have it all. It's that, and it was, it was a really heated discussion this morning. So um, anyway, thank you for that. I, I was like, wow, wow. I know that seems like so small to, to you, but that blew me away. <laughs> so, you know, anyway, we need to get rid of the city government. <laughs> Go right, go right to the king, God. <laughs> you get it done. Anyway, so that's good. Thanks, Dad. I appreciate it. And uh, thanks for the information about the Jewish um, Jewish people. Uh, I, I, you told me about how I love them, and I do. I think they're an amazing group of people. My, yes, yeah. I have a, 
I've had two experiences, and I'll just say this to you, and this may be a good something good. Um, I I fell in love twice in my life, once uh, once with one other guy and once with, with this guy, and he was Jewish, he was from Israel, and he taught me a lot. And that was the first time I'd ever had a, a man that I loved that would uh, stand up for me, and I, you know, was with him. And I'll never forget that. It, it was really a good, it was, you know, he eventually died of, of cancer, but um, he's a great soul. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I, by the way, we talked about him accepting Christ. That's, uh, but you, he, um, you do everything when you get ready to die and you have that moment and then knowing you're going to die, then you, re- you quit believing in, not believing in your culture. I feel like you open your heart to make sure you are, uh, you, you are cl- going to go to heaven or you believe in heaven or whatever. And that's what happened to him, you know. Well, praise the Lord for that. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, uh, enough about that. Thank you for allowing me to share that. And uh, we'll see We'll see you next uh, Friday, same bat time, same bat channel, right? And uh, thank you, Dad. Can I ask people to pray for me that uh, God's wrestling with me. I'm wrestling with God. Uh, I want to. I wouldn't leave this area. Now, how could a man want to leave something that's totally free? Great climate. I love this city, by the way. And I lived here for 20 years before I left and went down to Georgia. But I, I'm wrestling with God. I want to. I'm not. I'm not saying I want to pastor a church. I want to minister to people as I, I hope I'm ministering in this uh, thing today. But anyway, ask people to pray for me. I'm asking you to pray and the people that are around you and the people that hear you to pray for me that I will follow God's lead and God's will and do evangelism, do pastoring, to minister to people. And I cherish that. I thought of just being, I want to be with God forever. And I love God with all my heart. I love him because he died for me. He taught me. I was in seminary or Bible college, and he taught me so much, but he, I have learned so much from him outside of college. Professors, I had great professors, and they fellowship with me, and I went to lunch with them. I went everything with them. But I asked God to help me, to find me. I want to, I can't say pastor a church. I will pastor if he asks me to. And I've been asked to pastor churches, but I can't. Pray for me that I'll do the, his will. Well, I'll, I'll pray for you. Uh, you're yeah. needing the prayer, and I need to practice always. <laughs> 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 anyway, take care of everybody. We'll talk to you next week. Bye now. Got to make a call right back. I love you too. Love you.